Well, we're turning to Mark's Gospel. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. And we will begin our reading in verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Amen. This is the word, the matchless word of the Lord. And before we hear what he has to say to us this morning, let's just briefly ask for his help. Let's come to him in prayer. Our gracious God, and our heavenly Father, Lord, we come into Thy house this morning, Lord, desiring the supernatural. We desire to hear the voice of God through these natural means that You have appointed. We desire to hear the voice of our Father speaking through Thy servant. Lord, we pray that You would make it so, that You would overrule the weakness in our bodies. Lord, that You would take away tiredness, Take away distractions or defeat the, the devices of the devil that would seek to silence your voice in your house this morning. Lord, we pray that you would speak, that Christ would be known, that we would see our Savior. This is our desire. We thank you, Lord, that it is your pleasure to give it to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. For this miracle that we have just read, we are not exactly sure of the, the timing of when this occurred. Matthew's Gospel places it directly after the Sermon on the Mount, but the other Gospels don't, don't agree with that exactly. But the timing of the miracle isn't so much the important part, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all refer to this miracle, and they all put it at slightly different points early on in Christ's ministry, but they do it to show us something about Christ. But at the, be, at the beginning of Mark's gospel, you have the record of, of several miracles that are recorded. Jesus is, is beginning his, his earthly ministry. And you've perhaps heard of Mark's gospel. It's, it's a gospel of activity that Christ is about and He's doing and He's working. And there's just so much activity here. But this miracle, it stands in the middle of, at the beginning of all of that activity to show us something about what Christ was doing. That this wasn't just a job to Him. It wasn't just a task that His Father sent Him to do and He was just doing it. No. This story was showing us, this miracle is showing us Christ's heart, His compassion to His people as He came to do what the Lord sent Him to do, to save His people from their sins. 
If you were to, if you were to scour all of, of secular history, you will not find a story that shows such compassion as this one does to us this morning. There is no love that you will find like the love of Christ here. This love at the beginning of Mark's Gospel that shines as a light to draw us in and show us the compassion of our Savior. And it is very critical for us to see that compassion this morning and every day of our lives. Because as we go through our lives, it's very hard. It can be very hard to believe and to live like Christ really does love us. Because trials come. Because this world is a veil of tears. And we can wonder to ourselves, how is it that He can love me when I feel so miserable? Or perhaps we fall into sin. Perhaps it's a sin that we have fallen into so many times. And here we are, after years of struggling with this sin, after years of the Lord continuing to give us good things day after day after day, and here I am and I've sinned again. I've failed again. Does He love me? Does He really love someone who sins against so much good that He has given to me? So we have to believe it. And we end up back, back in a puddle of mud like some child who was told not to go in it over and over again and the Lord has to wash our hands. We, we watch and we wonder, does He love me or does He put up with me? Because there's a difference. Well, this story, this story is the answer of God, the answer of the Lord to, to those thoughts, to those fears that we struggle with. And so it's laid before us this morning as a light, and it is here to show us what kind of love does God have for us? Does He love us? So it's from this miracle that we have open before us that I would like to preach to you on the love of Christ in the healing of the leper. The love of Christ in the healing of a leper. Well, the first thing we have to see about this miracle so we have to look at the leper's condition. We have to look at the one who was healed. And the first thing we have to then see is, is his disease. I said that this, this account was found also in, in Matthew's Gospel and in Luke's Gospel. In Luke's Gospel, you know, he, was, he was a physician. You find in his Gospel he was a man of, of details. And he mentions something else about this leper that Mark doesn't mention. He says of him he was a man full of leprosy. He wasn't just a leper because it has varying degrees. He was a man full of leprosy. Being full of leprosy means that you have had it for a long time. A very long time. And you could tell that it covered him from head to toe without him needing to be examined. What is this leprosy like? Leprosy causes damage to the nerves in, in the extremities, such as your hands and your feet, so you lose your feeling in your hands and your feet and in other places. 
And leprosy is, in the Bible, is often used as, as a type of sin, as a picture of sin. And you see that even with the loss of feelings in the hands, because sin, it's, sin makes men numb to the wrongs that they do. They do awful things, and they see no wrong in it. They do not see how, this, how is this hurtful to me? How is this hurtful to others as they continue in their sin? Leprosy causes red blotches and boils of differing sizes to appear on the skin, marking men for life, much as sin brings marks upon men that can mark them for life. And sometimes these aren't even that external in men. You see men marked with sin by their speech. And as much as they try to change how they, how they speak, how they talk, they cannot do it. As much as men try to hide their pridefulness, they cannot do it. Leprosy brings a, a reddening of the eyes and a weakening of the eyes. Just like sin, it makes, makes men blind. More and more blind to God, to know Him, to see Him. Blind to good, where they don't even know what it is. They can't distinguish good from evil. They are men who wander in darkness. Just as leprosy makes men blind. And eventually, it comes with the loss of, of body parts as, as they are cut, damaged, and infected. Begin to lose some of the extremities. Just as sin destroys the body. It's contagious. It spreads to others as sin does. It is uncurable. In the days of the scriptures, it could not be taken away from men as sin is uncurable. And lastly, it is fatal. If you had it in those days, it will lead to your death, as sin does for all men. But the Jews, they viewed leprosy in a particular way. If you were a leper, you were unclean ceremonially. So the doors of the church, the doors of the temple, the synagogue are now closed. And you cannot come to the place where God is to be found to fellowship with Him. Let sin do that to men. It closes them out from God's presence. They were outcasts from society. They could have no friends or no family come near them. The only people that could dwell around them were other lepers. But the Jews also saw lepers as being guilty of sin. Even in, even in good men in Jewish society, you saw this, where the, the disciples, they said of, of the man who was born blind, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Job's friends, they treated him the same way. Of some sin, something must have been committed for him to be the way that he is. But leprosy, I believe leprosy would have been worse. It would have been so obvious that there has to be sin here. In the Old Testament, there were people who were marked with leprosy because of their sin. King Uzziah trying to enter the temple to offer incense, he was struck with leprosy by God. Aaron's wife was struck with leprosy. So here stands this leper. He is, and his disease marks him for his life as a dying, contagious man that no one can come near. As probably society would view him the chief of sinners. 
But you see also his approach. How did, how did he come to Christ? Well, you know, Luke told us something different about this man. Well, Matthew also does. Matthew said about him that he came to the Lord worshiping, and he fell down before Christ, and he called him Lord. Now, Lord in the Bible, it can just be a title of respect, like a servant would call their, mas- their, their, their master Lord. But it can also be used in your New Testament of, of divinity, where someone refers to God as Lord. And I believe that's what this leper is doing here, as he's coming before Christ and he's calling him Lord because he's worshiping him at the same time. He's not just giving him a title of respect. He's treating him as if he is God. And when we see that, we do see some humility there in his praise. But look at it from the eyes of those around this man. It is worthless praise. This man that is offering this praise to Christ, he is a deformed man. Just the very scent and stench of this man would make you want to step away from him. He is repulsive. His voice is is cracked and broken from this disease. There is nothing desirable in his praise. There's nothing beautiful or something attractive to the world about this man's praise to Christ. It was pitiful. But you see also, you see his faith. He says to Christ, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Those words, they reveal to us that he did believe that Christ had the power to heal this man. Christ had healed others. But he said, if thou wilt. And that shows us he wasn't sure if Christ was willing. One man says that men more easily believe in miraculous power than in miraculous love. That was true of this leper. He didn't know if, if he would want to heal him. If he would want to heal this man, the worst of sinners. For, for years, the world had treated him the same way. Many were probably, had no ability to help him whatsoever, but many also probably had opportunity but were unwilling to help this leper, to help this man. And so he looked at Christ and he... He saw sinful men, and he expected the behavior of those that that had treated him that way through his life. You compare that to the faith of others that we find in the Gospels, of the centurion who came to Christ, and who wanted Christ to heal his servant. And he told him, you don't even have to come to my house. Just speak the word, and I know that, that he will be healed. And Christ commends that centurion's faith, and rightly so. But you look at this leper, there's no one is commending his faith. There's nothing, there's nothing amazing. There's nothing commendable in this man. That is the leper. He is unlovable. He is disgusting. An outcast who may have been pitied by men. But he was a man that the world would rather he went out and died in darkness away from them, rather than them have to look at him. But we now have to come and look at the next important part of this miracle. 
And that is the healer's person. As we look at this, you'll see how unlike the leper he was. You see first under this, his perfection. You just think and consider the holiness of Christ. Leprosy being a symbol, a picture of sin, and it marks man from head to toe with spots and, and, and damage. But look at Christ in His holiness. And what do you find? You don't find any blotches, any marks, nothing that, that marks His person with any sin, nothing in His character. This, this man Christ is flawless. What about His faith? Was, the faith of Christ is absolutely perfect. He believed in what the Lord had sent him to do, and he never, he never veered from it. What did he say? Not my will, but thine. And he knew that the Father would be there, that the Lord was always willing to help his son. He continually trusted in, in the Father without fail. And his praise. Can you imagine? Imagine what it would have been like to be like His disciples and to hear Christ pray to the Father, Hallowed be Thy name. With what matchless beauty and sincere love that Christ would pray to the Father. So much so that His own disciples asked Him, Lord, teach us how to pray. They wanted to pray like this man, like Jesus, because His his. His praise was flawless. It was beautiful beyond compare. Well, that's the kind of man that the leper needed to help him. Someone who was unlike him in every conceivable way. But at the feet of Jesus, he's wondering, will someone like this help me? But you see, secondly, his position. This leper has come before the rightful king of Israel, the one who should have been on the throne. There is no one lower in society coming to someone who is who should be at the, the very highest. It's like a picture of of a king sitting on his throne in his throne room. And however you picture that throne room, it, it is immaculate, it's glorious. There are such color and splendor and beauty in this place. I'll put a leper in that throne room. You see something there that just doesn't belong. For if, if, if this leper was to go into the presence of an actual king, into his throne room, man would not be shocked if, if the king told him to, to get out of my presence, to go out, speak through someone else, write me a letter, but don't stand in my throne room in my presence. Because he doesn't belong. But is this... Christ is not just a king, the rightful king of Israel. This is the Son of God that the leper has come to. This is the one that has fellowshiped with the Father for all eternity. In John's Gospel, 1 and verse 3, it says that, speaking of Christ, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. When the world was made for Christ, what, what does it say of, of that creation? It was good. It was perfect. It was, it was spotless. But then you look at this leper on creation. 
There's, there's no one more deserving of the praise of this leper than Jesus. But He can't give it to him. This leper is a symbol of sin, a mark, a mark of, of, witness, of wickedness in the, in, the throne, in the throne room of God, upon God's creation. He is a mark of sin and of death. God who made all things pure, He now has this mass of corruption kneeling at His feet. Will He heal Him? Will He heal this man? That was the position of Christ. But you look at one thing else about Christ here. You look at His reputation. The leper knew at this point, from, from the other Gospels we can gather that the leper knew that Christ had healed others. But we can also gather that, as I've already said, that most likely this is at the beginning of Christ's ministry. And He hasn't healed a leper yet. He hasn't healed someone as filthy as this man. Perhaps they were because they were scared to come to Him. And you know, we, the Christian, we can view ourselves in that way. Where you look at the reputation of Christ and people ask you, who is Christ? Well, He is, he is forgiving. He is merciful. He is kind he has power to heal and to save, but I've messed up really bad and I don't know if that's true of me. Like a leper sees himself as being the worst of sinners, I don't know if it's true of me. We've been looking at, y'all have been looking at John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress in the morning, but John Bunyan, he wrote another book. It's, it's a bit of an autobiography of his early Christian life. And if I can remember the title, it was Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. In that book, Bunyan, he struggled greatly with this, this constant fear where he saw and he believed that Christ would forgive sinners. But he looked at himself in the mirror and he thought, Christ can't forgive me because of the sin that he had done, because of the good things that, that Christ had done for him, I have sinned above His goodness. And I am lost forever. He struggled with that for months. And he is not the only one that has suffered. Suffered with that temptation, that question. I know His reputation, but I do not know if He will heal me. But we come then to look at what happened? We look at the miracle performed. The first thing you see about this miracle is its compassion. We saw that Matthew and Luke, they told us something different about this miracle. Well, Mark, the reason why I picked this, this portion, this passage, is because Mark tells us something that the other Gospel writers do not. It says there in verse 41, and Jesus moved with compassion, put forth His hand, and touched Him. Mark is using that word compassion to tell us what moved Jesus to put forth His hand. What motivated Him to heal this man? And it was compassion. To this leper that the world could not love, Christ loved 
You know, in the Song of Solomon, there's a verse. I get the text in, in chapter 6 and verse 5. It, it, says, it says there, Turn away thine eyes from me, for they have overcome me. You know, in the Song of Solomon, it's the story of the shepherd and his love for the Shunammite woman. And that's a picture of Christ's love for His church. When you read those words, turn away thine eyes from Me, for they have overcome Me. Who do you think is speaking when you first read them? You think, oh, surely this is the Shunammite speaking where the shepherd is looking to her and she is, she's overcome with love for Him. No. That's not who's speaking in that text in Song of Solomon. It is the shepherd speaking to the Shunammite. So, Christ, Christ is saying to His church in that passage, turn away thine eyes from Me, for they have overcome Me. For those of us who have been in a relationship, you don't need that explained too much where the one that you love, you have compassion for, you look into their eyes and you're filled with love, with compassion as you look into their eyes. I cannot tell you this morning how it is or why that Christ, when He looked into the eyes of this leper, glazed over red and weak in His sin and in the state that He was in, why it is that Christ loved this man. And why it is that when He looked at us, in the state of sin that we were in as lepers in sin before Him, that He looked at us. And how is it that He said, Thine eyes have overcome Me. The only only thing we have in Scripture for why Christ loves His people is that it pleased Him to do so. It pleased Him to love us. You see that you see also he goes on to prove it even more in this text. Now he didn't just move with compassion, but you look at the order of it. What did he do? He reached out his hand with compassion, with love, and he put his hand on him. He's still a leper. He reached out and he touched this mass of filth and uncleanness and corruption, and he touched this man. Most likely no one had touched this man who wasn't a leper for years. Christ didn't look at this man and, and, and try to wipe off a spot for his hand to touch him. He didn't speak first to him and say, be thou clean, and then his leprosy was gone, and then he touched him. No, he touched a leper. And then he said, I will be thou clean. Oh, turn that and, and look at that in what it's picturing. What Christ is, is how, what is he saying to us in that? When we were saved, what did Christ do? Did He he say to us, reform your lives a little bit first so I can touch you? Clean Clean off a spot of your life so that I can see some good and I can touch you? No, He didn't do that. He didn't. He didn't cover His eyes and and reach down and save us and or or look look ahead to the future and, and convince himself and work it up in himself that all right I'll, I'll save him later on he'll he'll be something I can love no when Christ saved us it was when we were in our sin 
It was before we were knew any reformation of life. It was when we were trapped and chained with our sins, and that was our love. That was all we knew was our disease. That's when He saved us. Oh, that, that is the compassion of Christ to this leper. That is His compassion to every Christian sitting in this room this morning. You see also, you look at the, its effect. It says, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Well, you see love there. You see love there because Christ didn't leave this man with his leprosy. He took it away from him. He cleansed him completely. And from that day forward, he was a changed man. You know, that's... That is the effect of Christ's compassion to you and to me where we were changed. We were given new hearts. He didn't, in our case, He didn't take away, he didn't take away all, of, all of our sin in that moment. You know, we, still, we still have some numbing of our nerves that still remains. We still struggle with our vision where we don't see God as clearly as we would like to. But He has changed us and He will change us because His love for us cannot leave us in our leprosy. It can do nothing but deliver us from it. That's why He says to His people, sin shall not have dominion over you. Come to a close here. Because we now come and we look at this miracle. And what is our response to this miracle? Well, it shows us afterwards, after this happened, years later, it would be written by Paul of the Lord in Romans 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This miracle, this story, shows those words to us more clearly and more beautifully than perhaps anything can. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we look at ourselves. Look to your heart and the doubts and the fears that you have when, when life seems cruel to you and you experience so much pain and loss, difficulty in your life. Look at, look at the times, perhaps even now, when you have fallen into sin. Look at it. And ask the question, does he still love me? Let's ask, let's ask the leper. I'm full of sin. I've sinned against him so many times. Does he love me? What is this former leper's? What would be his response to us? I have no doubt he would say, yes, he does. 
He does still love us, despite how we feel, despite what we see in the world around us. Oh, yes, I know He still loves me. He loved us when we were lepers, when we were lost in sin. And now that we are His children, and as, as now we know, as we even read that, that beautiful text that, that our brother read from this morning, that we are now called the sons of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Now that we are the sons of God and not lepers, surely we know He does love us. My prayer and the will of the Lord is that you would see this, this miracle, that you would see this story, and that you would believe, that you would know, that you would say, oh yes, I know my Savior loves me. Amen.